0: Hi Steph, what's up?
1: I like how we both did did this Japanese <laughs> that? Why did we do that? <laughs> Welcome to the entry number two in the game diaries, the episode number two of the game diaries. Michelle, we I made am, we made it. We launched it. <laughs> we did it. We I'm, did it after
0: so many months. It felt so good.
1: It felt really good. Um, and although it was kind of a pilot, it's still it still for me it was like the real deal. Like, let's go. We're launching this.
0: It felt really good. I was so nervous though. it seemed like people really enjoyed it. So, like, yeah, I'm excited to hear your story today. But how have you been? What have you been doing? Oh, Tell me so that first. Much.
1: So much. Actually, I played a lot of Watchdog. Then you did you Yeah, Watchdog Legion. Uh disclosure, it was a sponsored stream at first, but it reminded me how I miss single player games. How mm. like Life is consuming us in esports of just playing in multiplayers and how I like to go so to true. my pace and just kinda explore the world and have fun with mechanics that are not intended for me and I still have fun <laughs> with it. So I really like really like
0: watching. I think I'm gonna continue oh that's good um, yeah single play that's true like sometimes i get in that rut of just like playing a new game of like overwatch over and over and it's like pringles you know and i gotta yeah. get another and i gotta get another and, yeah like, just get into that ro- you know that like roll of it but then you get away to another game you're like oh actually i can do this yeah i got ghost of tsushima but i haven't played it yet oh is that a single player game i never heard of it actually i think there's a multiplayer now too okay okay that That's they really just cool. announced. And
1: yeah. when when this episode is going to come out, we have to talk about how it's. Halloween is not there yet, but it's in a couple of days. And when the episode comes out, I think we're just going to be on. I know. I the have The next pumpkins. day of Halloween. Yeah, you have Funkin', So we have to talk about it. You have back cat there. ears. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm basically
0: <laughs> in costume. You're already ready for it. Oh, I did bring. I did. Yeah, I brought these. There. Ooh. They're like my. My Disneyland Maleficent ones. Oh, but normally, that's what they are. Yeah, normally I go to Disneyland around this time of year. Like the Haunted Mansion is always my favorite, and I love I love going to Disneyland with friends. It's so much fun, and it's <laughs> it's, it's it's so weird not going because we always go every single year, like a group of us. So, but it's in my heart. <laughs> Next year, I
1: remember um, you're in LA, so you know about also the Universal, uh, yeah, house like the Walking Dead. And, yeah. um, I remember last time I went before I moved out of LA, uh, I, I ran out of the house
0: yelling like, ah, ah! <laughs> I was and, so Wait, scared. during the, at the park. Oh my God. Yeah, was so but scary. I was doing that walking dead things. experience. That walking dead experience is really scary. Like they do a really good job with it
1: yeah it's very scary and there's a lot of real life people you never know and that's a real life one and i'm sure the people at home they know um they know what i mean it's it's hella scary
0: we went to a haunted house two years ago in la here where it's like a an old mansion like out in kind of like downtown la ish like it's a big house i wouldn't say like mansion mansion but like it's a big house and it's vacant they use it for like filming and whatever so the whole um the whole thing is converted into a haunted house and you have to get tickets to go and people stand in line and you go in groups of like 10 and it's a super immersive experience where there's like actors and they're telling you a story like right when you walk in and it's like spooky and so each room kind of moves you to the next but we got to this part and everyone was like this is cool like I feel like I'm inside of a play or something like this is fun but then this guy grabs me throws me into a coffin on the ground and rolls me out away from my friends and I'm like wait a minute where are we going and I'm like hitting on it like I was legitimately terrified being like I didn't sign up for this part like because they said don't touch the performers so the performers can touch me so then uh, I, I get let out i get let out of this coffin thing and i'm in a room they had brought another person from my from my group somebody actually did not know but was in our group like he was a friend of a friend so now we're both like laying this this zombie thing comes up to us and we're both like on the bed now i'm like sitting on the bed with this guy i barely know and this like thing writhing above us and <laughs> And then we finally get, like, put together with our group. But I was, like, what happened? <laughs> that, <laughs> what
1: that, was for this? Me, okay, so I've been watching a lot of Lucifer. This is the beginning oh. of an episode of these crime shows where yeah. <laughs> you don't know these strangers. There's something happens in their life. One of them is murdered, and then you jump yeah. in into, like... the 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 investigators come in and this is that you just live that moment without the
0: murder oh my god I'm here to tell the tale like it was (laughs) it was terrifying (laughs) I did not know what was going on my husband was like where are you like you know and I had like an like kind of a bad injury at times too so I was really afraid because the thing was like jostling like like while he was rolling it uh, it was crazy. It was wild. But yeah, I lived to tell the story. There's get some like super immersive haunted houses out there. Like they go like actors on like acid. They're like we're doing do this. We're still doing open this. for COVID because here everything is <sighs> on down I Producer doubt, I doubt and I are open. locked down here. Yeah,
1: Completely. yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure there's nothing going on in okay. Los Angeles. Like Los Angeles has <laughs> got terrible <laughs> cases here. But who knows? Like. Sometimes we leave the house and we're in our car and we look outside and it's as if nothing's happening. Like uh-huh. you see like half the people wearing masks and the other half like not. It's really bizarre. But I have been seeing an increase in plague doctor masks because it's Halloween. So like seeing those big <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh love- wow, that's actually cool. We don't have I haven't seen it at all here yet. Oh yeah, wow. they're really cool. There's oh um Castle Corsetry. It's a female owned small business here in LA. She makes those. Like okay. she like there's a lot of companies that do, but I know that she specifically does and they're really cool. I thought about getting one. Maybe I will. <laughs> I would definitely.
1: <laughs> that is like, so
0: cool. Walk uh, around I, the neighborhood like that.
1: Yeah, I just uh I have my aunts and she does a lot of little masks and I buy them from from oh. Emerge, a supporter. You know, COVID is affecting like pretty much everyone so yeah
0: yeah it's it's wild do you think that we're gonna have like how long do you think it's gonna take before we do live esports again like can we can we do like a bubble situation the way that like the nba was really successful at it i would say baseball was successful but the dodgers third baseman was like i guess i got covid and just like walked out onto the yeah, field
1: I. But they had the that. bubble
0: good up until that point that
1: was crazy well I- up until that point is questionable it depends which team let's just say that there's a couple of teams that it was pretty bad but um this month uh, most counter-strike team around the world the top ones are meeting in europe and i think that the blast series is going to be on at least all local to uh to europe and potentially at the arena but not um and with no spectators obviously so i think
0: they're doing some sort of
1: small bubble for it so do you think it um, matters
0: like as a competitor do you feel like it matters if you're there in person yes especially if there's no audience yes i think that it matters. um i think
1: that you can never judge a player until he can perform in that kind of environment i think that environment mm-hmm. is completely different like the the nerves are higher there's more pressure even if there's no audience it does feel like it it means something differently. And that's what you want to that's what you want to test with with these pro players, something that in the comfort of their homes, in their own computer,
0: uh, you know, it's not fair it's the formality. Yeah, Like the formality of it makes you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a big deal. I am like working. This is it. it yeah, I think yeah. it matters. And uh,
1: I'm interested to see how we develop, especially with the Valorant scene, just because we've never seen what Valorant means to be online. To be like yeah. in real life what like will would people show up would teams pay for their players to go like there's so many unknown variables and and right now to have a game being launched and an esports scene being launched online it's very very is very interesting it is very very interesting yeah i am be curious to see what
0: <laughs> happens like how these leagues kind of get affected like as we move forward like league of legends did a pretty good job at the beginning of the year yeah the well level, actually you know what you're right no the league yeah.
1: worlds are in the bubble they are in a full-on bubble and it was regulated by the chinese government so good job to that good job to that they had no, absolutely no cases and they had to be isolated in an hotel an official chinese hotel government wow. sanctioned uh place And the they were locked in that hotel for two weeks uh they couldn't even get out of their room to eat and stuff like that so it was really intense and then uh the, yeah, so we kind of had already our first bubble. I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, it was in the very beginning. Like it was earlier on, wasn't it? Like uh, actually, in- no, no, no. It's April? it's going on right now. So I think that they isolated maybe like a month and a half ago. Um, oh, okay. And then they're playing right now. I like I think yeah. this weekend or next weekend is is Worlds. Um,
0: It'll be. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, too, how all of these play out. I think, like, yep. seeing successful versions of that will inspire esports to be able to do more of those. Yeah. Um, I know, like, 100 Thieves was talking about doing, like, on a panel we did yesterday, they were talking about how, um, like, they had everyone tested so that everybody could come in and do a shoot together. Like, you know, the people, like it looks like organizations are trying to really implement testing and figure out, try to figure out, like, how we get back to, having some semblance of being online i mean even though that even though video games haven't really suffered a whole lot from from covid esports is suffering but just in a weird way it's just like it's more about like what you're talking about with valorant like as time goes on like what's it going to be like i seem like tournament organizers are suffering like if i'm
1: thinking about um Mm -hmm. how the have inside scoops with dreamac, uh montreal <laughs> let's just say that i'm just just gonna tease it uh but they had to completely cancel their events and they're they're not gonna do much this year with dreamac at all um so in in montreal only so you know so, so for these kind of things i think it probably hurt more than the rest of us so like game publishers mm-hmm. and and content creators and, and streamers i believe probably not as as impacted right but it's like different areas it's it's going to be a topic super interesting for my topic today, but I don't want to jump into it right away,
0: Michelle. I can't wait to hear yours. I get to like chill and like sit back and, and listen you this time. You get to I'm chill so and I get to have all the pressure. <laughs> you know, we did get a couple um, listener submissions and no Danny, way. our producer, picked one out for us to read. Okay, okay. Um, I'm so excited because oh yeah if you guys want to submit your story please do um this one do you want to hear it yeah so so uh just so that we can recap
1: danny picks the stories and gives us gives us the story so the other person never heard it so i've never heard that story
0: so yeah go ahead read it to me okay this one comes from naka oh is her name and this is uh, her, her entry in the Game Diary. She says, Dear Game Diary. I like was it already. 2000- yeah, I know, right? Points. <laughs> it was 2004, and I just moved to California from Hawaii. Yes, OK, Boomer here. <laughs> I like how she says, OK, Boomer. Like, like, It's not like, yes, Boomer here. Yes, OK, Boomer here. <laughs> That's adorable. Uh, without many friends, I took to my PS2 for entertainment as I was never much into TV and games helped with the anxiety of the work days. The start of becoming a gamer was Ratchet and Clank up your arsenal. Yes. I love that game. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, it featured an online multiplayer mode, which changed my hobby into an addiction. Toward the end of the Ratchet and Clank play content rumors of this new game called World of Warcraft spread, <laughs> spread through the community. Oh, girl, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> We know a little bit about WoW, right, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Actually, I don't I don't really know if this is a girl or a guy. It just says uh, Naka. I just assumed. Sorry. Naka. Oh, you're assuming so genders, Michelle? I know. I totally did. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Um, OK, so it's because I have a girl named Maka in my guild. So she's oh. the best. All right. So it says as my online friends started to disappear from the consoles, I decided to go buy World of Warcraft and see what all the hype was about. I may as well went out to buy crack. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows. <laughs> and it's like all capped with like exclamation points. It was either Best Buy or Fry's, which was the drug dealer. I can't remember much of what happened from 2000, 2004, as I had no sleep at all due to playing World of Warcraft for so damn long. (laughs) I like er, her metaphor. It's so good. I think that was at Fry's. That was like the big launch event, but I don't know if she went to the launch or if they went to the launch event or what. 2007 to 2008, the Burning Crusade, still playing, 2008 to 2010. Wrath of the Lich King still playing. 2010 to 2012, Cata still playing. 2012 to 2014, Mists of Pandaria still playing. <laughs> 2014 to 2016, Warlords of Draenor still playing. 2016 to 2018, Legion still playing. 2018, Current still freaking playing Battle for Azeroth. As I am no a self-diagnosed way. introvert, online gaming has brought me out of my comfort zone to interact with strangers. It takes... It still takes a while to warm up, but I eventually do. BlizzCon 2019 was the first ever I went and to meet some of my guildmates at the time. Aw, I got goosebumps. Even though we are not in the same guild currently, we built a real friendship that goes beyond an in-game guild. Being at BlizzCon surrounded by so many people with the same passion, addiction, she says, they say. (laughs) It made me realize I'm not alone as recent, and please forgive the boomer slowness, but the only reason I had Twitch is because of my WoW (laughs) add-ons. Oh my God, I love it, I love it. I love that. I have started finding people streaming World of Warcraft and it's super cool seeing a change in society. I mean, come on, AOC streaming. In closing, Game Diary, I would like to thank gaming for the crack high. keeping me sane from overthinking about work, giving me a community of like-minded individuals to interact with from all over the world. Next step, I'm going to learn how to stream. Mahalo.
1: Oh, <laughs> that it. was so good. That could have been a better and stronger first listener story.
0: That is oh, awesome.
1: That is awesome. Were you at that BlissCon the 19- night, 2019?
0: Yeah, I hosted the, uh, yeah, I hosted last year. It was, it was awesome. That's great that she went like, that they went like one of the best feelings in the world is going and meeting all your guildmates that you play online with. Cause you have such an incredible connection when you're, especially if like you're raiding or doing stuff that's like highly stressful, getting everybody together and meeting them and seeing their face and not just like hearing their voice, you know, over discord or what used to be vent even um, it's, it's really special. I'm so glad she got uh, there that they got to keep saying it. You are just like Maka in my guild and she is from Hawaii. So I'll make that really clear. <laughs> you know that now <laughs> that this happened on our second episode, I think that we need to add
1: a name. Like, how do you?
0: Yeah. yeah I so agree. let's just like, call
1: it like that, guys. Pronoun. Tonight. What's your pronoun? Yeah, a pronoun. So we're going to. That's a good idea. So for those who know at home, you can submit your stories um, every week. We're reading some of them and we're going to add that little what's What's the pronoun you yeah. want us to refer to? Because, uh, yeah, we want to make sure that we, that use we do it, it rightly. Yeah
0: yeah cool. that was such a great story thank you so much for submitting we can't wait to hear everybody's too but i am now i'm so ready to hear your story this week okay i have, okay. I have coffee made i've got a cranberry juice here for oh like my god
1: i need more water yeah. then okay next time i'll have two bottles of water because i'm almost <laughs> done with this one since we started this episode okay let me let me uh, get my sip Get getting ready Wet your whistle all right guys I so much pressure Michelle you are so such a good storyteller um and is the reason why I will really want you on 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 board with this is your passion and and the way you do these kind of things so hopefully I can do you justice you will I know you will Marcus's story um Marcus yeah DJ
0: wheat Marcus DJ wheat Marcus oh my Uh, I can't wait this is so exciting (laughs) Because I know Marcus, but I don't like know Marcus. I think I've met him one time, once. We've like seen each other online, and all my friends are friends with him. But I don't actually really personally know him. I know a little bit about his history, but this is exciting. Yes, super exciting. And and I got really lucky because
1: when I picked Marcus, I didn't realize that um, Red Bull did kind of a little mini biography on him recently. Really? Yeah. So it was. It was very good. It helped me a lot build this this research for this story. Okay. So, so I picked excited. Marcus a uh, DJ Wheat. Um and I'm very sorry if I don't pronounce the H really well in DJ Wheat. Wheat Wheat? But you have to know that um Marcus and I we don't necessarily know each other like intimately, but I've seen him. And and met with him and talked with him for the last uh, two decades, kind of. Because he's one of the very rare case of he's been longer than me in esports. Which is to say, like, how much I feel of a grandmother of esports. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's been there for longer. So, it's very interesting. His story is very good. Okay, let me start. So, uh, Marcus comes from a time where esports wasn't really a thing. Actually, we never kind of knew um the name esports the world esports didn't exist i actually don't remember when it came out do you remember that michelle, what I we decided remember. to say like this is esports
0: like with the e in front of it specifically yeah. i don't know when the like the terminology was ever really created yeah i don't
1: either it would be a good research um and if you do know let us know in in, in comments or in emails and whatnot because i frankly can't remember i always say we used to call it competitive video games or just like multiplayer but then at some point it swapped to esports but one thing that we knew is that we didn't know it was a thing we didn't know it would stay and and marcus Mm -hmm. didn't know either so when he started in esports it was just out of pure passion as a sideline and i'm gonna send you danny Mr. Producer, I'm going to send you uh, a 2012 tweet that Marcus had. Okay, here it is. So in 2012, Marcus, and I quote, wrote that on Twitter. All I want more than anything is to work with people who give a fuck as much as I do. And I love it. Because it can, you can really relate to how much he doesn't care about anything else but passion in, in esports. That's all that he cares about for work. Um, and, and I do believe that it's something that the old schools, the pioneers, I want to say, we kind of needed because there else you were fading away. Um, yeah, you had to move on to another career. You kind of didn't stay in it. So Marcus started with video games in the late. 70s in the early 80s um he had atari nintendo and he spent his childhood at arcades he fell in love with a video games then. yes yes um the good old days the 70s and 80s days. yeah
0: the good old um, days you can also
1: what's really interesting about marcus is he has his own website where he talks a lot about past and whatnot it's called djwe.com so if you're interested you can check out his lot of interviews and a lot of things about his past and especially how he forged his dream so for him the video game world just made sense when he was a preteen he immediately understood what the score meant he would try any game and he would he would play to be good you know he would just not play to play for the experience of it he would just play to win, and yeah, and I think that um, I love that. <laughs> that's very interesting. I feel that I don't play multi-players if I don't play to like if I don't want to. That's why win I don't that. play Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> like
0: I'm not gonna play Fortnite. I am not going to win. I am never ever going to get one. So why even play that game? That is how I feel about it. I tried you it. I like, you already have your crown. You you have your little crown. Wait, you don't, don't need, need Fortnite, anything yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> I so I I appreciate this mentality quite a bit. <laughs>
1: so they grew, he grew up with gaming he couldn't get enough of it and he always had a new a game to play and a new top score to set uh it's funny because when i say young dj wheat would give up eating s- sleeping responsibilities anything to keep playing when i say young dj wheat it reminds me of his son that's actually let me double check so i don't confuse it it's DJ Mini Wheat, and I think oh that's my God. so adorable. And sometimes they together. And oh, yeah. The uh, I think that his son is in his early ten uh, years old, something like that. Maybe Mini a little bit weeks. younger, but enough to like know what he's talking about. The fun age, yeah. Like, that really, he's a really gamer too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. He's fifteen. 15.
1: Oh, thanks, Danny. That's perfect. Thank you producer he's 15 years old see early early tens not really mid tens uh 15 years old and he, he's wow he grew up so fast <laughs> i feel that he, he's so young in my head still okay so he no longer is going to be uh yeah DJ what happens mini when he gr- grows yeah. up they're
0: so gonna change his, he's always gonna be mini wheat throughout like his 20s like that'd be it's kind like- of awesome
1: if we could get uh, Marcus on the show for an interview, we'll ask him. Because you're right. Like, what do you do at some point, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> rename him. It. It's like a level up. I wonder if it's like those uh, those players that are called the third. Yeah, God, I kind of have to stuck with it, right? Those like, yeah, a, yeah. A, like
0: a golf player. Like the gamer the tag stay with you forever. Like, there's yeah. nothing yeah. you can do you can't to shake, shake it. it. No. So
1: he got his first Nintendo at nine years old. Do you remember? Did you ever got... Like, did you get the Nintendo? I got in my first Nintendo time? at ten years old. Oh yeah, wow! It was my tenth birthday. Mm.
0: That's also I still about have three. it. Three. <laughs> Wait, I was, was I three? Yeah, it was three. It was came out. Wait, in, I still have it. Well, too. depending on where, like, it was came out in nineteen eighty five ish, like in some areas in in America, but it, the big launch was nineteen eighty seven. So, people like usually got them pretty early on. But
1: so yeah, I didn't even know that. I thought like it came out in eighty five and that was it. I didn't know there was like a second launch in NA.
0: There was, like it, – it didn't – I think it wasn't, like, all over the country. I think it was only, like, New York and L.A. and stuff. Like It was kind of – but it might be different in Canada, too. I don't know. But here, I think in the U.S., they did, like, a – kind of, like, a softer launch. And then in 87 was, like, everybody had it – because I got mine in 88. Uh, it was the best. Okay.
1: That's probably I mean, that explains that's, that's, why I got mine a little later. I think I got mine in 89 yeah.
0: or 90. Yeah, yeah. Probably. And, like – that tells me a lot like you know when people play NES like as kids like th- that's just you grow you grew up with this whole new thing like that didn't really exist outside of the arcades that much so like you had this thing at home and it felt cool and you had your friends over and like you know that was the best like real couch co-op. You know.
1: Side note did you rent games? when you were a
0: kid yeah well, yeah renting games we <laughs> there was the best, thing, right <laughs> yeah at like the blockbuster and there were like the video hut like small little places yeah. that you could go and like we would go and then like sometimes the games wouldn't be there and like the game you wanted sometimes we would like hide them behind like other games so that we knew the next time we no. and nobody we totally did like we we just hit it and we're like all right when we get back in like three days when i have to return this thing and i'm gonna get that one because stuff would get checked out
1: my okay side I'm gonna close this this bracket this side story right now but my dad um I really wanted Super Mario Kart and it was sold out everywhere so we went to a renting place like a little shady one and you could only (laughs) rent it you couldn't buy it so my dad kind of gave him a couple 20s on the side and said like I'm buying this used oh my
0: god (laughs) and I got it
1: no (laughs) way
0: yeah I was like six and I was like daddy Best dad ever, right there. That's like, that's like hero, just like hero level dad stuff right that, there. was I was, I was cool. so
1: cool after. Like everyone was <laughs> like, oh my god, your dad is so cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Okay, let me jump back into yes, Marcus's yes. stories. Okay. So he's playing NES so, at nine years old. Yeah. And you know, he was so into it. And it was his first creative muse. He was So into it that he got grounded for playing too much and when he Ah. didn't play he was like how can i play without playing so he would design his own video games in his mind and he knew pretty soon that he wanted to make these things himself one day and that's Mm -hmm. i think that you have to be some kind of a uh visionary when you want to do something that doesn't exist as a job you know when you're nine years old and you're like i want to create video games and it's yeah. in the 80s and your parents are like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, that's Doesn't not exist. a exist. <laughs> like,
0: it's not really. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, there is nothing you can do to do. Like, they don't see a career path. Exactly. That's, but he yeah, had that vision. So that's quite
1: impressive. He got his first PC at the age of 12. And it really changed everything. It rocked his world. Uh, that Christmas changed his life. In uh, the interview that I talked about in the October uh, by O. Graphical interview, he said, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my parents Mm -hmm. because they bought me that computer. And when they saw that, they thought, wow, this kid really, really wants a computer and really needs it.
0: Is that like, can you relate to that story without your parents? I can. I mean, yeah, because my parents, they, you know, we had a Commodore 64 and we had a Mac and my, you know, and we, I mean, I was learning how to put things on floppy disks and, you know, go to the neighbor and get stuff from him. And, you know, that was a playing Sim City on it, you know, like the, those were just like a totally different era. And my parents, like always, it, it was always important to them to have, we were so privileged enough to be able to have computers, you know, and to feel like my mom always saw it as, um, she saw William Shatner, doing the commercial for the commodore and yeah he used to be the spokesperson like in the late 70s like early 80s and he's like basically like this is the machine of the future like the guy from star trek and so people who like grew up with that were like yes this is the future and she bought it because she was a trekkie and that seemed like the your mom is a trekkie oh yeah yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) it's really really I, I love like star trek my mom yeah she was obsessed my dad my dad, my dad was like, a Trekkie too yeah yeah i've never
1: best. watched the star wars until i was like really? 25 oh i was yeah really yeah
0: and oh it was in school
1: people were like really and i was just like yeah watch it but uh yeah no i was I love a Trekkie. though i watch every single season of star trek and i was really into it so
0: it's the best show and like it, the the thing was is that it really made science feel important and they you know, so seeing a computer by like Captain Kirk saying, like this is the thing that resonated with my parents. So my parents bought that to have it in the house. Like if I didn't, if they didn't do that, I don't know if I would be in gaming either.
1: That's how I feel yeah. too. Like that part of the, the Marcus story, DJ story, story really resonates with me because I'm, I feel that I'm a little obsessive too, a little on borderline psycho. And uh, I remember I really <laughs> wanted a computer too. And for years, my my dad bought a computer and we only had DOS on it. And I would just, you know that when you write on DOS, it's just like C yeah. double dot slash. And I would just write random things, press enter. And it would just say like error or whatever and go back to like C double dot. And I would do for hours. And at some point I was like, okay, this is like kind of getting boring. So I made a paper computer where I would change the screen. Like I I, I Velcroed like a, a a window, like a a fake, art and then I would change your screen by removing my velcro and opening like paint or opening like uh minesweeper so that's how little psycho was so my parents were watching tv and I'd be next to them and like fake typing on my my cardboard computer and like i would change <laughs> the velcro and then after like weeks of
0: that they're like she's going crazy we need to buy her a real computer because what the hell is going on and they eventually did too like did you, you we- basically like made it out of cardboard to guilt your parents you're like this yeah. i need this that's yeah. awesome <laughs> so i relate to what you. you wrote there yeah <laughs> okay Gosh. so let's jump into
1: how what Marcus life when he said it changes life let's go and talk about why so PC gaming really unlocked something crazy for Marcus. Obviously, we all know um, how PC versus console, like, you know, it's it's a brand new world, especially when you yeah. don't know anything about it. Um, it's not like today where everyone is a PC, right? And then yeah. when he, he, he started using the PC came the asynchronous internet. This is an era I don't remember, like, you know, where you could, you could, you could talk to each other asynchronously on the internet, like not as in uh, you connect to a server and play with your friends, but it's asynchronous. So yeah. um, it became really, really huge in Marcus's life. It actually started taking over his life. Um, he learned how to do, BB, excuse me, he learned how to do BBS, how to code, write scripts, and he just couldn't get enough of it. Internet was the first time that Marcus discovered a community inside his friends and circle and the world suddenly got much, much bigger. The idea of creating online communities stayed with Marcus to this day as a caster, esports giant, is giant. building and engaging an online community is in is his entire life now, as we know. So at 12 years old, Marcus grabbed a hold of a very teen tread and held on to it until it led him to esports a million times. Multi-billion dollar industry that grows by 30% every year. He's still holding tight. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here's how Marcus actually discovered not only his his passion in gaming, but developed his skills into what we know of him today, one of the pioneers into esports casting. Actually, probably one of the
0: first. So, Yeah, he had to have been one of the first, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Marcus kept getting in trouble as a kid and because he would spend so much time with computers, his parents had to literally keep him physically away from computers. So when he was... <laughs> they're like restraining him. They're yeah. like chaining him to the wall. They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so when he was not at his computer, Marcus would spend time at his dad and he started paying attention to the radio that his dad would listen to. Not because of he cared about the content. What Marcus liked to to think about when he looked at the radio is the broadcasting so Mm -hmm. the mannerism, the uh, tonation the transition from a break to another how to host with annual conversation and and really lead a story so in his brain something was coming together without him realizing it um that's a quote from him what i was doing without realizing it was studying the art of broadcasting yeah just due to the massive amount of time i was spending with with my father in his car being punished
0: because it was addicted to video games. Yeah. So that's amazing. But he's still thinking about video games somehow. Like he's like, yeah. this stuff is going to all meld together. Like it is so important. That is like, if for anyone who wants to be in broadcast, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to listen to other people and study what is actually out there and then trust your own instincts with it. You're like, did I, did I like that? Did it resonate with me? Did that tone of voice carry me through like there's there's a lot of little tricks that's amazing that he was thinking about it at 12
1: yeah and, and he was yeah oh, at 12 and also it's amazing because he had no no one told him that right he just yeah. did it by himself which is also like something that we can't relate to to what it is today like as now being you, kids
0: I can. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um damien fahey who um was a mtv vj Um, but he was doing like radio stuff when he was like a teenager in, in his hometown, like just so excited to be in that world and to be a part of it and was like doing it at such a young age and thinking about that at so young. That's, that's really, that's That's so
1: awesome. That
0: makes me think, I wish I could go back at 12 years old. I know be better, be a better 12 years old stuff was even like available. You know what I mean? Especially as being girls too. It was like, no, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love that he was thinking about it that young. Yeah. And so in
1: high school, when Marcus got a little bit older, he fell in love with debates, uh, the theatrics, the passion, the convention, the competition. He was there for all of it. So that added on top for his skill sets, right? Um, some of the my favorite esports uh, people were huge in debates. That wasn't a thing in Canada, at least that I know of. In, in Quebec, it wasn't really like you, there was no debate team. But as far as I know, I know and um and I process and in control uh were huge debates people in high school so and they're probably the top top you know os commentator like these kind
0: of interaction that I that I know at least at the top so I didn't do debate either which is surprising because I debate everything but like you were you I, would be very good at debate I would be very good at <laughs> debate and I'm like why did I never get into debate yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. so it wasn't
1: a thing in my high school that for sure because I, I will also i would also have been really good uh yeah stubborn. yeah you would have
0: <laughs> isn't it? it yeah and like passionate it's interesting like where it was important in the world. like but anna though she's from portland right she's yeah. from pacific northwest i think i just didn't get involved in it but that is like a great skill for it's kind of like improv it's like if you're doing improv or debate. Those, those skills are going to be, except for debate, is no but, you know, and, and improv is like yes and yes yes. There are they are very like good skills though to be able to like for broadcast for sure. Yeah, I wish
1: I wish it was a little bit better with that, especially if the debate were in English. Ah, that would have been great. Oh, for girl, a <laughs> you know, whole other yeah yeah. So as the internet became more graphical, video games grew in popularity. In short, after college, Marcus is now in college, uh, okay. and he found is founded his first clan it's called oh. the clan 519 all right 519. and it's just the address of a rental house that he had so it would but it would change his life so really oh so 519 Oh, it's really
0: 519 sweet. yes i like that so then he named his clan off of it That's yes cool.
1: now we jump into the hardest part of marcus's life um nothing gets bigger than the internet nothing ever right so in the mid 90s game development what it was the wild west in the 19 uh in the 90s you know it, w- it wasn't like what it is today we have a different kind of wild west i think like yeah. now it's like anyone can do a game so you're battling across like so many competitions but back in the right. 90s it was it was kind of a different wild west where uh people don't believe in it you know so it's it's, it's right. a different different environment for sure but marcus kept being completely convinced um, of the power of the internet and people taught he was crazy that the internet wasn't the future yeah right so isn't it crazy <laughs> because of that marcus dropped out of college
0: i didn't know that did you know that what? yeah no i don't know it i barely know much about it so like, he's like look the internet's gonna be a big thing and they're like you're crazy yeah and he's like Fine and then he drops college. So he dropped out of college because
1: he was able to get a networking job at a bank. And he was like, I think the internet is the future and I want to work in networking. So bye. So he left he left college, went to work for a bank for networking. And then it was a really good job with an enormous salary because nobody knew how to do networking then. And he had to work with people that helped them fill the gaps. Um, in his knowledge and uh he would use that salary to buy stuff to create more bandwidth or better casting equipments better computers yeah. so he reinvested everything into creating now what we can think of his little own and studio he's like learning as he goes like what works yeah. what doesn't exactly so his side hustle then became casting a video game he would practice religiously on the side. Um, and eventually he got good enough. So good that he became online as quote unquote the best. And not only yeah. the best, but for a long time, probably the only one that was known and, and famous for it.
0: It started this for, small. No, this was that competitive gaming? Right yeah. Now? So it
1: started small because he was just for his quake team. So... It's clan 519 um, was getting was pretty good at Quake and he was casting these games. Um, so they could go over the gameplay and get better from it. So he was casting. Was he it. playing too? That's a good question. I, I assume yes. Because Marcus, yeah. from as far as I remember, Marcus was a huge Quake player. A little bit like Slasher, right? They're like Quake yeah. is part of the roots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so yeah, yeah. yeah, so he would he would cast the games. Rewatch it and try to get better from the analyze, an, analysis from it, right? Uh, and he was using that because that's what they were doing in sports. They would watch a replay from sports and you right. would analyze it and you would like comment it. So that's what he was doing. Um, and eventually, a team member suggested that he get a microphone and do the voiceover live. So all of that was recorded at first. It was like when he would watch the games. But someone said, hey, why don't you do it live? Um, huh. So, they had to be technical and it had to be qu- quirky comments. It so had to be funny things to gather interaction and it eventually took off. Wow. So, interesting. Comes into play TSN. Have you ever heard of TSN? TSN? TSN. No. So, there was a kind of broadcast. I would say like as far as i remember it's the only one that were doing that but there was already kind of a radio for gaming it was called tsn okay. um, i did not know this and it's called tsn is short for the sports network okay and people would connect to the radio online using an ip on their win app i use win wow app. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if there was a tournament like in china Someone would cast on TSN and you would click that IP and you would listen on WinApp. And like a good day, you had like 20 listeners, you know, but you could <laughs> still watch or you could still listen to, I want to say, if you've ever listened to a sports radio cast, that's how it felt like. They had to describe everything because you couldn't yeah, of see course. anything. Yeah, so yeah. Um, what, the reason why I know about it is one of my good friends, Vansili, was a tsn caster and he would do the the casting for the local lands in quebec in montreal no so way. every montreal counter-strike land in the 2003 2004 add their broadcast be on tsn and you could connect it through WinApp. it was no way i had wild. no
0: idea about that
1: yeah wow so marcus applied to be a caster on tsn and he apparently lied <laughs> And he lied on his application and got them to listen to a recording. What did he lie he knew, about? I'm not sure, to be honest, but he knew that if he lied, it didn't matter as long as they listened to the broadcast that he had because he was right. so good just at get it. in the he, door. He believed yeah. in himself so much that once they heard the demo, they would just jump in. And it worked. I love it. It actually worked. So he became the TSN's Quake guy. He was known and he met his mentor there called blanks uh with a z so okay. at some point marcus works at tsm and things are rolling but he outgrew it he felt that it was kind of probably limiting him and he decided to left the job and with a third of their staff, so marcus kind of did a coup. with a third of their staff he started inside the game radio itg do you remember that or have you ever heard of inside the game I have
0: not. No. no, what is inside the game? I remember game? those so years. So that goes TSN, and then uh, inside the game. Uh, yeah, so inside the game was kind of like a
1: competitor of, of TSN that he okay. launched, uh, and and soon after that, if I remember, if I remember, TSN closed. Really close to it, I would have to find archive of TSN. It's so hard to find information for TSN, uh, but I would have to ask my friends if it like. The, if it could even be why TSN closed because Marcus left. Like the good people like to create ITG. He's like, I, I'm gonna do this better. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: But you have to know that before uh before he created ITG, he was starting to be known worldwide. He was flown to Korea to cast uh the world cyber game. Wow. Uh, WCG. You remember that you probably I remember. remember. That. Yeah. Uh because they were They were there up until like 2008. So you probably remember that. So he started casting uh, at uh, WCG, which at the time was one of the top competition in the world. And he, it was also a life changing moment because that's where he left for the first time Quake and became an esports commentator
0: because he, had
1: to cast I think other that games
0: was, was that with direct tv when they put it on is that the tournament that was like considered the first like televised in america no, like that's that's cgs and i'm gonna come to CGS. it after yeah yeah, yeah. got we're, it you're okay, in okay. stink you're in yeah yeah we're connecting yeah. we got we got it <laughs> yeah. that's so he was doing this one in korea in prior, korea the BCG, yeah and like building his name
1: yeah and that was he became one of the first like cross uh cross games you know because he wasn't he was specializing right. quick but he started doing other games with wcg so that's when he thought okay i'm, I'm arguing uh, tsn i'm gonna start inside the game in the u.s because of uh, things were, were slowly shaping up um there was new opportunities and the ggl era was upon us so i was trying to read what the ggl meant that's why i, li- I had a little bit of a pause it's a global gaming league i've actually never knew what ggl mean GLL bought ITG inside the game. And so Marcus, his wife and his three cats, moved to L.A. in 2005.
0: Hey, he's a cat guy. I hey, love it. He's a hey. cat guy and an L.A. guy. <laughs> and an L.A. guy. It's my
1: type okay. of guy.
0: That's awesome.
1: And that's when the Eastward Scenes was experimenting. Uh, he hosted a game tournament with Snoop Dogg
0: no way (laughs) yeah as part of
1: the hip-hop gaming league (laughs) oh my god and they shared a blunt i think that's a a
0: great that's a great little they shared a blunt Uh, they shared a blunt like that is one of my dreams so he has lived one of my dreams to like smoke out with snoop dogg but i want nothing more I want to That'd be so much fun. That's so cool. I feel it's doable for you to do that too. You live close to him and he plays games. So I'm going to figure, I will let you, when it happens, everyone will be first to know. I will go, I will (laughs) brag about it forever. That's so cool. I would love to know the hip hop gaming league. What did, what did they play? Like what games were they playing? Oh
1: my God. Let me, let's just double check right quickly. I forgot. So it looks like, Gamma Sutra tells me that the Hip Hop Gaming League was played on multiple games. So they were kind of competing against each other in multiple games. And they played on stuff like NCAA football, Madden, obviously, NFL, I was NBA, football. and yeah.
0: Saints Row. That's really random. Interesting
1: and oh my god I need to say that and others may also be added by Snoop Dogg as the competition continues so I feel that Snoop was just like you know what let's just play this game this week I
0: think it would be fun <laughs> he loves Saints Row that's Ro. so cool people make Snoop Dogg uh, character creation in that. See, he
1: probably really has been involved with Saints Row since the beginning yeah. that's awesome okay and this is where it gets really, really hype for for Marcus. So he just sold his radio to GGL. So and then CGS happens. So CGS background. This is a, such a crucial, crucial moment for gaming in North America because it was both an amazing climax of success and at the same time the worst thing that ever happened to esports in NA. It kind. Con- I feel that. I'm going to go through the story, but it was like one step forward, five step backwards with CGS. So what happened is that the number one American satellite provider, DirecTV, Mm -hmm. as you were mentioning, announced two pilot invitational events to be broadcast on TV in front of a live studio audience in San Francisco. And that was huge. Um, The idea of esports of mainstream TV was still a fantasy for gamers in the rest of the world. It's not like today. So this was over 13 years ago. I think the CGS league was in 2007, 2008, but that was before. So th- those were the GI, which is the Championship Gaming Invitational, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they did a test run with about 166,000 prize pools, split in two events, which was huge at the time. It was five titles. Um, and the most important titles were Counter Strike and Halo 2. Uh it, it was especially crucial for Counter Strike because it was really at a pivot time between Counter Strike 1.6 and Source, um, and it really hurt the Counter Strike community. Um, Interesting. Which is which is something that we can talk about in another show, but it, it, why, I have, Why did it
0: hurt the community? Um, like in a like a nutshell.
1: In a nutshell, it was because pretend today that every big esports team was bought by that is being bought by one league, kills all the names uh-huh. and forces their own rules and then shuts down two years after. So these teams don't have players anymore. Any they structure. don't have money. Right. They don't have everything. They have to start pretty much over. And that's what happened wow. in the CGS. Um, so fascinating. The, the 2006 CGI was a success. Production levels were all above standards for eSports at the time, obviously. And he had top NA players, popular eSports title, and established a broadcast talent, Marcus, DJ Wheat Graham. <laughs> so uh, following the success uh, of that, of these two events, in April of 2006, DirecTV announced a master plan for that. That's where everyone was so happy. That's the step forward I'm talking to you about. Instead of doing mm. a one-off event, DirecTV was going to launch a full-scale, to live televised league with 50 millions in investment for Mm -hmm. 2006, that's even for today, that'd be like, wow. So for 2006, that was out of this world, never seen before in the world. So the commissioner, Andy Reeves said, this is the moment the gaming world has been waiting
0: for. Yes.
1: We will be paying salaries and bonuses to our players in excess of five millions of dollars during the 2007 season. The time has come for a new era of professional gaming as sports entertainment, and and you know I, when I look at these 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 thoughts and the way CGS made this, I think it was just too early for its time. There's a lot of things that yeah. might work now, but the, they didn't have the experience that we have now, and they failed on stuff that we can now know to right. warn people. Yeah,
0: don't do. Don't do Somebody's got to you know? do it the first time. You yeah, know? like the first person that does it it's most likely going to have a lot of problems because yeah. they're the first people doing it. So they got to figure it out for everybody else. And that's what takes pioneers. Those are the people that are the visionaries and say like, this needs to be done. It might not be ready, but it's going to be. And I see it. And yeah. that's, even if there's some failure, there's so much more success in like the whole long run of it. Yeah. Uh, very it's cool. unfortunate. The whole story is unfortunate because let me jump a little bit into it again yeah.
1: is, is the CGS leak format was inspired by the, sports franchises that we know in na that are extremely successful so each team was tied to a specific city just like overwatch is you know yeah. in a way yeah to Localized. make this happen cgs uh either enticed existing esports organized organization and then yeah. assigned them to a city or created entirely new brands so this is what i was telling you about uh, for example e- eg became uh chicago Shimra, but it wasn't only that uh, Michelle, I don't know if you remember, but also the owners and founders of these orgs became employed by CGS. So oh, they kind of wow. they, couldn't,
0: they couldn't really work on on their orgs anymore. They didn't have like a partnership where it was like we're we're partnering. We're becoming full on employees. Yeah, wow. it was because they didn't intense. have the structure to stand on their own. Yeah. entirely anyway so they needed that money and they needed that opportunity but it was a handcuff so you had like jason
1: lake which is probably one of the most mm-hmm. known figures nowadays of this era he was at cgs he was a gm at cgs you know it, it was cole was now at cgs like everything all of cole kind of unfortunately died under cgs and, and i'm so glad that he kept to it and then he was able to revive it but that's pretty much what happened Although still as a broadcast, the CGS spiced things up by holding the first CGS draft. Okay, Michelle, and guess where okay. it was? Okay, guess where it
0: happened? Uh, e three. Pink,
1: <laughs> mainstream LA, not oh. gaming. The
0: Chinese theater. No. Um. The Disneyland. No. Okay, that was a good guess. <laughs> that was a good guess. Universal Studios.
1: Playboy Mansion. Ah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> of so course they did. Of course it was. They, course did. It was. <laughs> <laughs> they did the first draft at the how do you say his name? Hugh Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner's uh twenty two thousand square foot Playboy Mansion.
0: Oh yeah. I oh, played la, video la. games at the mansion. I have. I was. Were invited. you flanked by Playboy bunnies because the GMs was, were flanked uh, by I the was, Playboy bunnies? <laughs> uh, Pamela Horton and Amelia Tallon. Uh They're both gamers and they're good friends of mine and they were playmates. And after that, like as a side note, like after that era, they like reinvented the Gamer Next Door brand. And so they invited me and my friend Malik one day to come over and play Mario Kart like in the mansion and I was I couldn't believe it because I'd never been I'd <laughs> never gone there yes. you yeah. have to say us. no matter how much yes. of a feminist we can be no I wanted we to, have go. to go I was yeah. so in I was yeah, so yeah, in like I brought my husband too. he was like really like so excited it, it was it was a lot of fun it was cool I feel yeah. that y- you can't miss on that. You can't, that it's ridiculous. historical that place like, and yeah, uh, whatever, so it was a lot of fun. That, so they're, the st- they're putting that on, they're, they're, they're like yeah, early they're on there. in it.
1: So the season is not even live yet, right? Cause the drafts mm-hmm. are just like being reported. It's not mm-hmm. live featured uh, and everyone's talking about it. Season one beca- begins and it has 50 million viewers uh, worldwide. But that's allegedly, right? um and asia is the biggest market which is also really really interesting it's not even north america although it's in, in north america they had regionals in england malaysia u.s and they picked who was the 11 teams that are going to attend the half million world championship the chicago shimara eventually won in december 2017 in culver city california which is funny because it's huh. this is where clg's offices are oh, uh, and yeah. 100 have teams now so uh, full circle. Full circle. Wow.
0: But it's like a home base.
1: Yeah. But you know what? Uh, It's actually not good news because the CGS was not in good shape. Outside of the first season alone, they burn through $25 million. And the first Ooh. season is only a couple months. I don't know if you remember Damn. that. They all had to live in a house and, and it was all in L.A. And it was on like two or three. Three or four months, I think, all the salary and wow. then and 25 millions is burned. Half of their budget, which was 50 millions, in about like four or five months, maybe six months, because uh, oh the season God. was really short. I remember the CGS time. And that's like from memory. People, like the seasons was really high. Like I remember my friends being paid like 30 grand to live in that house for like I don't know four or five months. So it was. It was good salaries at the time. Yeah. Still good today, now that you think about it. But, you know, that means that they burned Mm -hmm. through 25 million. Like, I just cannot believe, right? I just cannot believe whoever was in charge of that project, they let people burn out through one season, 25 million, 50%. They're in the middle of season two, and then CGS goes silent. Oh no. And then four months later, in 2008, the CGS reemerged just to confirm the rumors that it's closing. (laughs) They're like, don't forget about us, forget it. (laughs) Yeah, we're closing. The official statement says that it became increasingly clear that profitability was too far in the future for us Mm -hmm. to sustain operations in the interim. So the CGS has burned through its investment and with the economy crisis, that was, you know, that's that 2008 that in 2008 and 2009 mm-hmm. was the big, big crush. Yeah. Uh, DirecTV decided to cut their loss and pull the plug. And uh, wow. the aftermath was brutal. And this is what I was telling you about. It really, really hurt Eastwards in North America. Because people were
0: like, look, here's this thing. It doesn't work.
1: It was a total disaster. It was poorly yeah. handled and, you know because the exclusivity that these people signed it attracted players to cgs initially because they didn't have to travel anymore and they mm-hmm. and they pretty much had contracts and a paid salary well it ended up earning them players in the chosen cgs title were unable to join other events the scene for these games dried Exclusive. up uh the like now like i said the orgs really hurting they lost all their sponsors the money was mm-hmm. gone And it was especially true for Counter-Strike Source. And when the CGI died, Source teams were left with no scene to return to. It actually really killed. It completely killed the Counter-Strike Source scene and almost the whole scene. So the big CGS checks had killed the competition. And the bubble the CGS had created at burst. What is more is that the outrageous salaries that the CGS paid out at artificially inflated the asking prize for top players in the esports scene obviously mm-hmm. and organization began making promises they were oh. unable to keep in a bid to snatch
0: why were they the best players in the world why were they taking why were they putting so much money out there where they couldn't you know validate those salaries that's that's interesting that's a i'm 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 so curious to know more about that that's the, fascinating the, this whole era legally was probably a disaster
1: most teams yeah. probably were not legal and and not paying taxes and, and benefits,
0: and, oh you know, it's, it's a mess. There's so many problems, yeah. Just trying to, but yeah. at the same time, it's like just trying to get it up and running and moving, and it's, it's yeah, it's hard when you don't get, I mean, but they did have funding. It's like, I was going to say, it's hard like when you don't have a lot of support, but they had like 50 million. <laughs> they had 50 so. million, but they didn't even end up
1: like paying all of these these players that signed for potentially a couple of seasons. They were, they were gone, the teams, the orgs, like everyone that had this big promise. Uh, lo- right. lost everything right so right. And, and also there was a couple of things that you have to know about cgs if you've never watched it it's like they direct tv kind of was inspired by the wwe so they wanted uh, and at the time it might have i don't know if it was wwf but they, they wanted the players to talk trash they wanted that fake um kind of revolver theatrics mm-hmm. and, and for some players that actually hurt them when they went back to their regular career because people didn't want yeah. that attitude or yeah. hated them on the show or you know so it, it wasn't like I'm going to do my career there it was oh I started for two years being an asshole on camera and right. now I'm trying to go back to teams and just being hired <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't just work because I was an asshole on camera you know one thing that they also did uh, is that they had a dead or alive women's division, which quite frankly, um, they, they didn't handle it really well on the show. It kind of reinforced the stereotype that women can game uh, and pretty much the actually good players on it. They had, they introduced Vanessa Artigo, which is one of the most famous fighting game players in the world, especially in dead or alive. They included her posing on a, on a, Beach in a bikini, you know, and oh, they were kind of yeah. reinforcing <laughs> the fact that that you know women girls gain.
0: sex sells. Yeah, oh, so no.
1: So when that fell apart, let's go back to Marcus. Oh. I know I've been talking a lot for the CGS, but I really yeah. Want but the you CGS is a really interesting
0: thing, and it's a yeah. really important part of his career. And like what it's understanding, like what he helped bring to the scene that sort of set the stage, and yep. also sort of. Broke things in order to be rebuilt back up. Exactly.
1: Know? And he was part of that. And I, I can't stress this enough and how important he was part of rebuilding after the NA crash of CGS. So CGS fell apart, and Marcus and his family moved back to Nebraska. And at that oh. point, he has DJ Mini Week. Uh, the economy was stinked. Marcus Mini went Week. on unemployment insurance, and his wife took a job at a restaurant. So it was really the lowest point in, in Marcus' career, and he had nowhere to turn except his community. So while at CGS, he started Epileptic Gaming, which was the first land-based internet show, uh, and he built a, a following around it. So it was um, it was important for his community to show up, and they fundraised a five thousand dollars for him to build another show. So with that five thousand dollars in two thousand and nine. Um, He felt that the community gave him such a tremendous amount of faith that he wanted to to do something with it. And at the same time, he got an offer back in a banking tech uh, Mm. to do cloud backups. So he's kind of always ahead of the curve, right? 2009, he was going to go work in cloud backups. So he decided to do that as well to get some money in. And after riding the highest wave of any, highest waves of any sports, even back to a nine to five. But he still had that 5K to invest into a new show. Um, in his words, so this is quote, me quoting him, you can either shrivel up and stop chasing your dreams or you can reset and you can get back to where you were. If exactly, you've yeah. done it once, you can do it again. So if you think about it, at that point, Marcus built his career, everything died. Every he lost everything right. in gaming. And then he had to do it again. That's how yep. he saw that.
0: So he created- like I, ju- I know how to do this now. Yeah. I've, I've gone through more steps. Like, yeah and that's over. where
1: you probably know he created one more game tv with sir scoot yeah got shidota or got Shidosha. i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing it wrong justin meter and erin asl so it was the same stuff he was doing before michelle you know he did shows but this time it was organized <laughs> they had a schedule they had someone that booked the guest they started doing social media for the first time. And they were doing it so well that Good Game Agency, a little company that you may or may not know about, bought them. Good Game was, uh, Good Game at the time owned Evil Geniuses, EG and Alliance, as well as other esports themes. So Good Game was kind of getting bigger and bigger, and they bought Live on 3 to be a part of Good
0: Game. Yeah.
1: So when he got bought by Good Game, he also sent a sassy email to MLG. So MLG was also at the time kind of figuring out what they want to do. And when CGS collapsed, MLG was still there doing their thing. So they also Mm -hmm. got a little bit of the NA market and they offered. He offered to work for free to just show what he's got and be a part of MLG. So he got a plane ticket and he was flown out to talk with the MLG people. And he didn't know, but he was also in the meeting with the founder of Twitch, which at the time was not founded yet.
0: Right. Justin. so yeah, so
1: in that meeting, uh, Marcus really always tend to see opportunities when others see failure. So for him, um, the Justin TV at the time that was run by Justin Kahn, he gave Marcus a secret assignment, and I have shiver. Oh, okay, oh my God, I have shivers. <laughs> it was the code name Zart, and it was the pi- the pivot of Justin TV completely dedicated to video games. Wow. Oh my god, I feel like
0: crying right now. Wow. <laughs>
1: wow. So at the so time he's like, I'll work
0: for free. And he's like, Hey, code name, figure this out. Well, he
1: wanted to work for free for MLG and he got flown up. And then he met with that Justin con. And then uh, Justin just snagged him and was like, Hey,
0: you know what you're doing.
1: Wow. Yeah. And so at the time of the transition, Justin TV, for those who don't know, that was that was a streaming uh, platform for everything, like real life stuff. Um, but it, again it was ahead of its time people were not really using it as much but it still had one million fans across the globe so the question everyone had was if we do have a gaming dedicated platform for streaming how many of the one million fans are going to transfer and ride the wave for justin mm-hmm. tv it was in general the streaming industry opportunity the focus was on celebrities gamers on popular platform like UStream, and and pretty much
0: um, he wanted history. to like,
1: wow. yeah, he wanted to like steal all of the gamers across all of these platforms and say, hey, if you're a gamer, you should come here instead because we're mm-hmm. the platform for gaming and discovery. Mm-hmm. So the early days of Twitch were ugly. The behind the scene, the partnership was not that great. And Marcus was actually key in bringing that awareness to the business that they were stronger together. Like Marcus should be involved at the root of Twitch to make sure that things go right. He's been with Twitch since the beginning. He headed the Twitch partnership program that allowed streamers to monetize their communities and broadcasters to invest in eSports. That changed the world. I mean, that has changed the world. And and, and, you know, this kind of sums up the life of Marcus, but he's been at Twitch for years now. So there's also this whole story about Marcus that, you know, I don't really want to get into depth because I really wanted to share like the beginning and the struggle. But one thing that he always says is that we can never get complacent where we're at. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he was at the top multiple times and he had to start over multiple times. And he also said, I've never truly left esports. If I'm not there front and center hosting or doing interviews, I'm watching, I'm reading. I'm following the news. I'm talking to the people in the industry. Yep. Ultimately, ultimately, Marcus' mission is about creating a community and a connection. A never-ending, infinite mission that he's been tackling for two decades. And to be quite frank, Michelle, I hope he never, never stops.
0: Yeah. Oh, He's, uh, I mean, he's a pioneer, like, without doubt. Like, he is... He's created something for people to be able to have their own careers. He created a platform for people to have a brand new career that never existed. Being a it's streamer never existed, so like awesome. not really, you know, that it was never a thing. And he saw that. He saw that as like, how do we, how do we pay people for doing this? Like, it's, it, people want this, it's necessary, like there's a market. Yeah, it takes a lot of like forward thinking for sure
1: yeah and and you know throughout all of this he's been married for 16 years michelle so he was also he has like a like a wonderful family at the same time and he moved across the world and he just like he's just a very very strong inspiration And and i do feel that only the only the old school people know about how much marcus did for gaming in in, in general because yeah. we've been here for the from the start so we know a lot about each each other's stories even if we don't hang out all the time between each other but there's something that now marcus i feel works behind the shadow a lot more although he still hosts like shows on twitch.tv yeah. like actually twitch.tv slash twitch <laughs> he hosts yeah, a yeah. lot of show <laughs> on there but um <laughs> i feel that he's still behind the shadow most of his legacy uh is is all the hard work that he puts behind the scene now. So we have to be, we have to remind ourselves about the legacy that we can see, which is the story I told you. today.
0: <laughs> he probably, I love that story. Thank you so much. That was a great story. Um, I, I feel like he probably saw, especially during that like CSG time, like he saw how easy it was for like Hollywood types and like people in Los Angeles who want to monetize this whole thing to may not, maybe not understands, you know, esports and gaming. Um, which is probably why, you know, giving it like a more focused vision um later on, um, for when he was creating Twitch, you know, that he probably learned a lot from that time. We should definitely we should have him on for an interview. I'd be yes. so interested to hear more yes. from him on that on this time period. It's fascinating. It's thank really you so good. much. That it, was a great story. Yeah.
1: And if we have him on the show, we'll talk about now what he's doing. Cause that's yeah. not a lot of things that we have a lot of 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 history on you know yeah uh, but yeah marcus is is
0: is quite
1: quite awesome
0: <laughs> like his yeah. history is so cool i mean i love to know about yeah. him now like i i knew about the about his show with like slasher and scoots but like i i didn't know like and i knew he was a broadcaster with that um tournament on dtv and i think it aired on g4 as well i knew about that actually the guy that did uh the big ep guy at blizzcon he it used to be on direct tv And he came and told me and my co-host about, like, about that tournament and how big of a deal it was and, like, what, you know, how he conceived it and wanted to put, I mean, that was DirecTV years later talking about it and bragging about how it was, like, the thing that set the stage and also drove his interest in wanting to do things like BlizzCon because of that tournament. So it, it spawned off the interest of people, of other people as well, you know, like, it was clearly a very pivotal moment.
1: So even if it failed, you think that it has more, it had a positive effect that we can't, we can't really, we couldn't see at least from my side, cause my side is like, this is a disaster. And like you I saw said, it was a disaster. We, went, we went years behind after that. You know, yeah, it was awful. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, sometimes you have to have those little, like, I mean, it's the same thing with video games. Like when the whole industry crashed, the whole industry crashed in 83. And it took a couple of years to like build that back up again. it's all about like building it back up to do it better, which is what happens, you know, but sometimes you got to take a couple little tumbles, you know, along the way. And that's sort (laughs) of what Marcus's like whole, you know, motto is like, you know, you've done it, you've done it once you can do it again. You can do it better. I love that. I love how positive he is, and I love that he's a cat guy.
1: Oh, three <laughs> cats! I wonder if they're all. He still has cats. I hope he does. Uh, yeah. One one fun fact is that he um, he was inducted into the Esports Insider Hall of Fame in 2019. So that's pretty cool. I feel that's that something cool. that I, I I I want to be in. And I don't know why. You know, like <laughs> is it going to change anything in my life? No.
0: Like, do I feel insulted
1: that I'm not in it? No. But do I want to be in it one day?
0: Yes. (laughs) I think especially for all of you guys who have been in esports since, like, the early 2000s, I think think it's deserved because, you know, you guys are the people who laid the groundwork and who continued to, like, forge forward even when it didn't seem like there was any hope, you know? Like, just kept evolving and changing it up. So, like, that's why I think it's important to have, like, these kinds of talks on the podcast so that we know you know who came before us and like what the history is because like it's really you know informs what we do today like you should be in it i'm gonna nominate you i'm gonna find out <laughs> i to call them. You... i feel it like, like, hey. and
1: sometimes i'm like i feel like no don't nominate me because i need 10 more years to actually look at and stay do <laughs> you have done D, a lot
0: <laughs> my friend like you have done so much i'm gonna end up doing a story about you on here i'm gonna no, be like no, miss no, harvey no, no, no. i'll be like oh it's my story i don't know about it let me know but I mean, i'm so bad with that kind of
1: stuff sometimes people are like do you remember in that year you did that and i'm like oh yeah i did do this yeah, you know right. like that was fun Uh, michelle i'm happy i, I did my first story uh you, i'm gonna, gonna get better job. I, i'm gonna get better i need to be as as good as you i don't
0: know it's not you gonna be possible but I'm to reach just, for the top, you know? You've got a cool French accent on top of everything else. So, I feel like missing, I don't have that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling on all
1: my words. So people who are listening at home, I'm sorry for this painful experience, but
0: uh, <laughs> I hope you, you liked fine. it too. I hope you liked it too. You are fine. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You guys, oh, thank, thank you so, so much, much for listening. And uh, please like subscribe on, on whatever podcast platform that you watch this mm-hmm. in. Give it, give it, you know, the the rating, the stars. Is it stars? Is it thumbs up? Like, is it favored? I don't know what it is. Like, they're all different on each platform. So do that. And if you've got a story that you want to share about how video games have changed your life, um, we would love to hear it. So please go to thegamediaries.com. Last video, I said the video game diaries.com, which is not the website. It is the game diaries.com. <laughs> well, we're learning all together, guys. We have, we're, we're, <laughs> there's a lot we're learning, guys, but we're only going to make it bigger and better every single time. And um, thank you so much for telling the story of DJ Wheat. Thank you so much for listening. Bye,
1: everyone. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Big